It's sometimes said by Protestants that Roman Catholics make too much of Mary. And it's sometimes said by Roman Catholics that Protestants don't make enough of Mary. And that may be true. So this morning, for a shorter period of time than normal, I want us to focus on Mary, the mother of Jesus. This young girl, visited by an angel of God, Gabriel, and given life-changing news. The young woman who responds to this unexpected message through the beautiful words of the Magnificat, which the choir have just sung for us. My soul magnifies the Lord, etc., etc. And there are a number of very important spiritual lessons that we can learn from Mary, and I want to apply two or three of them this morning. The first thing I want you to notice about Mary is that she was open to God's call. She was open to God's call, not closed. So when God's angel appears with this life-changing and possibly deeply unwelcome message, Mary is able to receive it and give glory to God. She's open to the possibility. Spiritual growth, deepening discipleship, is all about being open to God. In fact, it's impossible to grow in your faith if you're closed to God. It's like saying that you want to fly and then never getting in a plane. It's like saying you want to lose weight and then eating and drinking more and more and more. It's like saying you want to be a better disciple of Jesus and then rejecting and being close to everything that would help you to become that. So openness and closeness to God is closely connected with one of the dearest Wesleyan theological themes, the theme of holiness. Because openness to God blesses and strengthens and resources us so that our soul grows and matures, we become more like Christ and greater Christ-likeness is the best evidence of holiness, what Wesley called Christian perfection or sometimes perfect love. A recent Methodist Roman Catholic report said this, holiness is not primarily about success in being good, but rather about being open in all the brokenness and giftedness of human life to God's transforming grace. I'll read that again. Holiness is not primarily about success in being good, but about rather being open in all the brokenness and giftedness of human life to God's transforming grace. Mary was open to God. And in this season of awaiting the arrival of Christ, 
a very simple but profound question we can ask each of us, ourselves, personally. Am I open or closed to God? Secondly, and following on, Mary could recognize God's hand and leading in unexpected and even unwanted ways. You see, we often believe that God's dealings with us, God's call to us, always make sense. That they're always discernibly good. And they're always immediately and rationally able to be seen as right and blessings. And that just simply isn't so. I've got this kind of cartoon picture of Mary that when the angel's gone, she sits down on a chair and she says to herself something like, stroll on. What on earth do I do now? Recently, Tony and I went to a service at Westminster Abbey hosted by the Prince of Wales and it was gathered together many of the Christian leaders in the Middle East and parts of North Africa in the West Bank and Jerusalem and Syria, Iran, Iraq, uh, Egypt, etc. And it was a very moving occasion, wasn't it? Uh, And uh, many of them live in lands where Christians are persecuted in a whole variety of ways. And they look upon that in different ways, but one of the ways that they look upon it, in no way resigned, they're not resigned to it, But they say, this costly life of witness in a place where being Christian is to be persecuted or despised or disadvantaged, this is our lot of being followers of Christ. It goes with the territory. Their situation isn't what they would choose And we must work with them to try and change it as justice and fairness demands. But it is something that they will faithfully live and hopefully live within. They're saying, in a sense, something very, very hard when you look at the hardness of their life. May it be with me according to your will. You see, sometimes... The call of God is not to be exalted or to do something important. Sometimes the call of God is that when you're at your flattest or you receive the poorest news or the poorest diagnosis, that's the occasion where you're invited to do something very, very, very hard and say yes to God. I am the Lord's servant even though in human terms I'm now not in a position to be a very effective or energetic servant. Mary could recognize God's hand and leading in unexpected and even unwanted ways. So here she is, young, unmarried, engaged to Joseph, who think probably like every young couple that they at least know a little bit what their life will be like. You will bear a son, says the angel. He will be great, the son of the Most High. 
And if we can just fast forward in Luke's gospel, just a chapter or so, to when Jesus is born and Mary and Joseph have returned to the temple as the law demands and they hand this little bundle of their newly born son into the gnarled old hands of Simeon the priest. And he says what the law of Moses demands over the baby Jesus. Hands it back to his mother and says, and a sword will pierce your soul too. So what does this young woman say to the angel of the Lord? Here I am. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be with you. May it be with me as you have said. Wow. Are we able to recognize God's leading and will in the challenging and sometimes unwanted things of life? Hearing the call of God to greatness or to status is easy. Placing yourselves into the hands of God when it's unwanted, that's something else. So being open and ready, Mary says yes to God's challenge and will. How many times do we say yes in our prayers and no in the implication to our prayers? We protest about this and that. We run through intercessions about the the lot of the world and how this can't possibly be right and we say in our prayers somebody really ought to do something about this and we laud those who do something about that and then you take a snapshot of our lives over the course of a week or a month or a year and those prayers and those protests haven't touched our lives one jot. We're yes about all the implications and no about all the real responses to prayers let it be according to your will says this young woman because saying yes to God is the beginning of all discipleship and is ultimately the source of all contentedness the third thing is that Mary received God's power to do what God was asking of her She received power to do what God asked. There was the word and the affirmation of the angel. I wonder how many times down the years when Jesus had croup or she was absolutely flat out with the rest of the children that she would have later on that she sat down at night when things were particularly hard and returned to the visit of the angel as the source She had the comfort and the support of older Elizabeth. We're not told by Luke, for instance, how long Mary and Elizabeth stay together. It could have been an afternoon, but the distance involved, it was probably several weeks. I wonder how long the two women stayed friends and found mutual support with one another. Where God calls, God equips. We've heard it many, many times, but just note this. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And time after time in the Bible, 
Old and New Testament alike, those who are called protest that they can't do this or that or they're too old or they're too young or they're too decrepit. And then they do. Because no act of obedience to God lacks the offer of God's resources. In all sorts of ordinary and sometimes extraordinary ways. And it's true of Moses and David and Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Paul and Mary and Peter. And it will be true of us. It will be true of you. You too will be given what is needed to do what God asks. Have you asked the Lord for the resources that you need lately? And lastly, Mary loved the Lord Jesus all her days. Well, you say, Martin, that's just a a sort of tag on onto the end of the sermon. You just wanted to make it four points instead of three. Of course she loved him. She's his mother. Right. She's his mother. So how hard could it have been to see the drama of what we call Easter unfold if you're his mother what happens to him happens to your own flesh and blood how terrible the pain and the anguish as she watches the baby she bore die on a cross which is why she stays near the cross and weeps like only a woman can weep for the death of a child We can't love him in the same way as Mary did, but as disciples, we can still love him. As disciples, as those eternally grateful for his love and his sacrifice and the gift of salvation, we can love him because at the heart of all Christian discipleship, long before duty, long before awe, even before worship, is love. Is your relationship with Jesus Christ still rooted and grounded in love? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, incarnated as a human child, has a good start. Mary raises him, and although he is of divine nature, his personality as a truly human being must have been shaped by his mother. It's often said of a happy, well-balanced, well-mannered, compassionate and mature grown-up child that they are, quote, a credit to their parents, end quote. It's the aspiration of every child that somebody sometime, somewhere might say to you, you did a good job, didn't you? I think Helen and I are still waiting for it, but there we go. In human terms, this is true of Jesus. God truly becoming human as a baby in Bethlehem needs all the care, all the protection, all the example, all the nature, all the discipline of any human child. 
Jesus got a good start from Mary because when God chose her to bear the Christ child, God chose well. So a Protestant ruminates for a change on a person we underestimate very much. We thank God for Mary, the mother of Jesus. Amen.